At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs can make a difference every day. That's why we're bringing back our daily medium sub special. Enjoy a different handcrafted medium sub at a special price for every day of the week. From Meatball Monday to Italian Sunday. Get it for a limited time, only at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your pickup order. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. As your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports, he is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we learned that Dwayne Haskins wore the number seven jersey at, at Ohio State for a reason. It was an homage of sorts to one John Elway, in fact, He wore that on his sleeve, so to speak, when he showed up at Broncos HQ on Thursday. Yeah, this was a super nice touch from Dwayne Haskins. He really took a chance here in a very formal job interview setting. He showed up to his interview with Elway, a guy who he admired for so long, in a throwback John Elway jersey. I mean, you got to love the aggressiveness of that move. I really do think, you know, like any other job interview, Chad, you have to make an impression here. And from all accounts, the Broncos were impressed with his sense of humor and also the fact that he he impressed them with his football IQ and, and, and this and that. So there's a chance after this he can actually climb up the draft board here. So it's interesting to monitor, you know, two weeks out. We have to balance that with also the report that came out on Thursday. Now, you know, this is everybody's spitball. And so when you hear report this, report that, these are just people basically who are public. You know, they're, they're in media, they're analysts, they're reporters, whatever it might be that are basically giving their opinion based on what they've heard on the current moment. But the pre-draft process is very fluid. There's a reason why they do the three pre-draft visits, why they do the scouting, etc. But there was a report, Zach, and you covered this for the for the website on mm-hmm. Thursday. There was a report that came out that the Broncos are not interested in taking a quarterback in the first round because they don't want to put that pressure on Joe Flacco. Yeah, I mean, this was the prevailing notion by some when the Broncos acquire Joe Flacco. It's why pick him up and then make him look over his shoulder at a rookie. So by this account, by Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports, the Broncos are more inclined to take a guy in the middle rounds, Chad, a developmental prospect, than a guy like Drew Locke, who would create the media hype and create another, you know, camp controversy. The Broncos looking to avoid that. So far, they put all their chips, you know, in Joe Flacco's basket. See, and I think that's BS. I think that's BS, and here's why. Competition brings out the best. I don't care if you're a quarterback, a defensive tackle, an offensive tackle, in school, in business. Competition 
elevates everybody's performance, and the proof is in the pudding. I mean, you can look at Joe Flacco's stats last season. Started nine games. Okay, he was he was on pace to have one of his best statistical seasons. And think about it. The, the Ravens had just drafted a quarterback in the first round, albeit at the very back end of the first round. But nevertheless, Lamar Jackson was a first-round pick, and that motivated Flacco. That lit a little bit of a fire underneath him. I mean, in nine games, he passed for 2,400 yards, just shy of 2,500, 12 touchdowns to six interceptions. The Ravens, if Broncos fans can remember, going back to week three when the Broncos went on the road to take them on, they were an unstoppable force in the red zone. I mean, Flacco was actually in the midst of a very strong season before he suffered that hip injury, which gave them a, you know, the team a little bit of a window to insert Lamar Jackson. And the rookie played so well that they didn't want to upset the apple cart, and the rest is history. So I think that that's just a guy saying that. You know, Robinson, just he's just a guy spitballing what his opinion is, what his take on it is. I'm not saying the Broncos are going to draft a quarterback because, Zach, I still believe that they're going to end up taking one later on in the draft, but that's just a BS reason to not take a quarterback at pick 10, especially when your quarterback is 34 and especially when you have a need on your roster for that long-term franchise caliber quarterback. Unless Elway genuinely and truly believes that Joe Flacco is like getting another Peyton Manning and he thinks he's going to go on a similar run, then there's no way they come out of this draft and not have a quarterback by the fourth or fifth round, Chad. And I agree with you. I mean, to go all in on a 34-year-old guy, you know how I feel about him. Broncos fans know how I feel about him. I don't. I didn't like that move, and I, I don't like that move even more if it precludes Denver from not getting a potential quarterback of the future. I also think there have been so many smoke screens. I don't know where to look right now, but I can see this this Robinson one being kind of team-driven a little bit. I don't really necessarily believe in it either, Chad. Um, I, I don't think that pressure necessarily would be bad for Joe right. Flacco, a right. guy who – that's what the Ravens did last year. That's to your point. So I agree with you by all accounts. I don't put a lot of stock into this at all. I hope Rockwoods fans don't either. And that's the thing is people – you know, it's easy to crap on Flacco because – he hasn't been to the playoffs since 2014, I believe it was, and he lost his, his starting job last season to a rookie upstart. But I'm telling you, the dude was on pace to have a very productive season for the Falcons. I mean, he was averaging 273 passing yards per game, which is nothing to sneeze at. Can you imagine a Broncos quarterback averaging nearly 300 yards <laughs> passing a game? So I'm just saying that if that were the reason, that would be a BS reason, and I don't necessarily think that's the type of thinking that is coloring – Elway's analysis right now or his view on the number 10 pick and taking it back to Haskins before we move on real quick I think that right now all bets are off anything any one of these prospects can do in their encounters with Elway and the Broncos on these pre-draft visits is a feather in the cap and it does have the potential to change the equation and alter the decision for Denver at pick 10. It, it does, and Elway is very impression-driven. He he likes guys coming in and showing them and showing him respect, and that's what Vic Fangio did in his interview, and that's why he got the job over Mike Munchak. He made that last-second impression on Elway. Who knows? Haskins might have done the same. I still think it's he might not be there, and even if he is, I don't think he'd be the guy, but it, it did nothing but help his stock in my eyes, Chad. One thing that's crazy, just taking a quick uh, overview of Flacco's stats, and then we'll move on, is in 2018, again, nine games he appeared in. He had over 29 completions of 20 yards or more in nine games. In 2017 alone, the whole season, all 16 games he started, he only had 28. So he was pushing the ball down the field. He was having himself a, a year. He was money in the red zone. And I'm just hoping that 
that's the type of momentum he brings to to the job in Denver. Now, today, though, is all about the Mile High Huddle VIP subscribers, 24-7 sports. This is the Mile High Mailbag VIP edition. So we're going to take a peek inside that, answer your questions here in just a minute. First, a couple quick matters of business. As always, guys, a reminder, make sure you're following the show on Twitter. Easy to do. Open up the app. Find it on the browser, at HuddleUpPod. Click the follow button. That is the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then also take some time, leave a creative review on iTunes, rate the show. Important. We're trying to push for 200 reviews on iTunes before the draft, which is April 25th. You guys have been pushing. You guys are heeding our calls to action. We appreciate you. We're at 136. Last I checked, this was yesterday. This was uh, Wednesday evening. We're recording this Thursday night. So you guys are pushing. There's still a chance we can get there, but call to action remains. If you're an iTunes listener and you haven't taken time to just leave a quick review, it can be one or two sentences, and then you leave the X amount of star ratings, please take the time and do that. You have no idea how much that can help us all here at the show to grow, reach new listeners, and compete on iTunes with other podcasts that are in our our, uh, sphere. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner so to speak. All right, Zach. So one last thing before we actually get to the first questions for the listeners out there who might not be VIP subscribers or don't know what that even means at the website, milehighhuddle.com 24 seven sports. You have the option to become a premium member, to become a paying member of the site. And what that does when you become a VIP is it gives you access to 100% of our written content. There's certain types of content on the site, on the front page that we reserve only for VIPs. These are things like the film room breakdowns of the Broncos, in-depth scouting reports, pre-draft stuff, any of the deep dive analytical stuff, the vast majority of that we save for our VIPs only. And then also we have our MHH Insiders uh, VIP forum, which is where Zach, myself, Eric Trickle, Nick, Carl, this is where we make ourselves available to the VIPs. We drop any of the little tidbits, insider info that we pick up along the way and engage and make ourselves available to the VIP subscribers. Now, each and every week, Zach or myself, we leave a, we create a thread in that VIP forum, MHH Insiders, in which we make our call to for, for questions for the VIP mailbag. So if you want to join the club, so to speak, it's really easy to do. Go to milehighhuddle.com, look for the green banner, click on that, subscribe. You can choose a monthly option. You can choose an annual option. It's up to you. Follow it through, get to the create your account portion, pull the trigger, and then from there, you're in like Flynn. So it's a great way to support what we're doing here on the show. It's a great way to support what Zach and I do with our written content, our videos, everything we do. That's our VIP subscribers are really the lifeblood that are keeping this thing going. All right, so Zach, let's get to the first question here. It's an interesting one, and uh, 
gives us cause to, to pause and think. It's from Arctic Bronco going on three months as a VIP subscriber. The question, Zach, is which Broncos have the most potential to be coaches? Uh, right off the bat, Von Miller just screams out at me considering his talent and who we learn from in DeMarcus Ware. So that's one. Uh, Derek Wolf is another guy because of his passion, his intensity, his leadership, and the fact that he learned from Bill Collar, the best in the business. Um, Chris Harris Jr., I feel like, would be another. All these defenders, Chad, all the Broncos' best players on defense would make great coaches. On offense, I mean, there's still it's still a young unit there. I would have said Matt Paradis, so he's not with them anymore. Um, I don't know. Maybe Emmanuel Sanders w- would stick out to me as a coach. But other than that, they really uh, jump out on defense. Yeah, I would think of, unfortunately, a couple guys. You named one, Matt Paradis, and another, Domita Pekka, who aren't with the team. Mm, great call. Pecco, I mean, look at it like this, Arctic Bronco. Think of the guys who are big-time leaders, passionate teachers also. I mean, DeMarcus Ware, obviously, is, is a guy who very quickly following his playing career got into the coaching game more as a consultant, but a coach nonetheless. Guys like that who are passionate, Justin Simmons, for example, jumps out to me as a guy who could go into the coaching game once he hangs up his cleats. But it's an interesting question, and it's one that uh, maybe we'll have to consider a little bit more as we mow through this offseason. But this next one here comes from Paul826, going on four months as a VIP subscriber. Paul says, how would you rank the top 10 of this draft versus the last few years of the top 10 classes? Now, he has some comments. I'll read these. He says, I think the QB part of the draft is interesting for sure. I had Miami jumping the Broncos in Jan- in January for a QB, but now I feel that they are tanking for 20. I'll be shocked if, if the Dolphins move up. Washington, I thought, would jump up. Now with them tied, with, tied to Rosen, I'm not sure they will. I think the Giants will have top 10 pick in 2020, and I think they could wait as well. Do you think Detroit or Cincinnati would move up? or move on, excuse me, from Dalton or Stafford, respectively, to take Locke or Haskins. Then last thing, who falls in the Chargers' lap this year? Still can't believe they landed James, Derwin James, last year. Pick whatever part of this you want to discuss. Thanks. <laughs> um, well, let's, uh, let's tackle first the idea of do we think the Detroit Lions or Cincinnati Bengals would move on from either Andy Dalton or Matthew Stafford to get in on Drew Locke <laughs> or Haskins? Do you see that as a real possibility? No, I think for at least this one more year, 2019, both teams are tied to both those guys. They might draft a, a developmental guy like a Daniel Jones, but I don't see either of them in the Locker Haskins sweepstakes. I don't see definitely the, the Lions being in that game, but I could see the Bengals stunning some people and taking a quarterback. I think they're, they're I know they're in the top 15. I don't have it right in front of me, but I know they're behind the Broncos. I could see them if a guy falls like Daniel Jones or Locke. I could see them pulling the trigger, but I think you're right that they're going to... I mean, if you look at it, for example, for the Bengals, they have a rookie head coach. I think they want to give him the best opportunity to succeed, and that would be with a veteran like Dalton who's been in the playoffs. You know, he's got a lot of competitive football in the NFL under his belt. That would give him the best chance to succeed. That doesn't mean they don't take a quarterback early and just sit him behind Dalton, but definitely an interesting situation to monitor. I don't think the Lions are in on that, though. How would you rank... Zach, the top 10 of this draft, you know, or the, the, the projected top 10 class versus the last top 10, you know, last few classes. 
I would say it's much more defensive top heavy. The linemen are great. Uh, a couple great offensive linemen too, but the quarterbacks obviously are the weakest part. Last year's class was great, and this year's class is historically weak, I would say. And we, everyone wants to just skip ahead until 2020. So um, in certain positions, it's definitely stronger. In certain positions, and especially quarterback where the Broncos need one, it's much weaker. Yeah, I mean, if you still had a healthy Jeffrey Simmons, it would be an even deeper top 10, an even stronger top 10 class. But with him tearing his ACL, you know, he's probably going to end up going late round one, early round two, and whoever gets him, it's going to be a steal. You know, it's a guy that you put on the shelf for one year, but then he comes back with a vengeance, basically, in 2020. So he's interesting. But yeah, I think you hit it on the head. The biggest difference, it's still a strong top 10 this year. But it's very defensive laden. And um, I wouldn't be surprised still, though, if three quarterbacks end up going in the top 10. Now, uh, we move on and go to put Atwater in the hall. Mr. Don Olmstead going on three months as a VIP subscriber. Don says, Hi, Chad and Zach. Thank you for your outstanding work on the site, on Twitter, and of course, your great podcast. Thank you, brother. Salute. While running some mock draft simulations on FanSpeak, which you turned me on to, it seems like the defensive tackle from Clemson, Christian Wilkins, will most likely be available around pick 15. Any thoughts on trading down to target him and pick up another second rounder if Devin White, Quinton Williams, and Drew Locke aren't there at pick 10? Or even if one of them, probably Locke, are there? Also, can we write a second five-star review for you on iTunes, or is that illegal? Thanks. Appreciate you, Don. I don't know uh, what the uh, rules are that govern the iTunes aspect, but, Don, we leave that up to you to invest. Burner in. accounts. There you go. There you go. There is such Lots a of burner as, accounts. As a burner account. Um, Christian Wilkins, I mean, specifically trading back up, you know, let's say the Broncos make a selection at 10, and Wilkins falls, and they, they've moved up back into the back end of the first round to grab him. I wouldn't be opposed to that. You know, and if I guess, Zach, if the Broncos are sitting there at 10 and none of their guys are there and they trade back, Wilkins at 15, to me, it would be dependent on who else is on the board. Right, now, exactly. I, I exactly. like Wilkins. I really do. He's a very good player. He, would, he's, he could have a phenomenal NFL career, but it's just going to depend on who else is there. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off, Chad. Sorry about that. No, um, uh, yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't really tickle my fancy either. If they're going to move down a few spots, I, I want to see who's on the board. They might have a tight end or a lineman, uh, a Reisner, a fan, a Hawkinson. Uh, getting a guy like Wilkins, it, it would be a good move for the long term. It wouldn't be a sexy move for sure. I would just rather go for another player. Maybe if they move down to 20 or so, they can go for a guy like Wilkins. But even then, I'd rather go for a guy like Simmons, whose upside is much higher in that scenario. So I wouldn't hate it, but I definitely wouldn't love it either. All right, next question here comes from Impact89, going on three months as a VIP subscriber. The question is, is there any news or rumblings as to exactly why we haven't extended Chris Harris yet? I know they said they'd do it after the draft, but wouldn't they have more wiggle room with the cap if they just took care of it now? Seems a little odd to me. Keep up the excellent work, guys. Appreciate you. Um, You spoke to this, Zach, yesterday, on yesterday's Mm -hmm. show. Just the idea that, look, you know, the Broncos could, if they extended Harris now, give themselves some cap room by converting it to a bonus, his salary in 2019, all that. And there's definitely some truth to that. There are a lot of creative ways in which the Broncos could get Chris Harris locked down and extended and alleviate some pressure on the cap and defer payments down the road. I don't think, Zach, that's really the issue here. So if 
money isn't necessarily the predominant factor holding the Broncos back from getting this done. What do you think it might be? I think some of it is money. We all know how shrewd Elway is. We all know the Broncos are kind of pressed for for cap space right now. And maybe behind the scenes, Harris wants more money than Elway thinks he's worth. Financially, that's the only thing I can think of. Other than that, I floated yesterday uh, that his that his fracture, his fibula fracture, maybe Elway has concerns about that. Same reason they didn't pay Matt Paradis. I mean, he's going on 30. The Broncos added three cornerbacks this offseason. Maybe he doesn't value Chris Harris Jr. like the fans and the media and the NFL does. I, I don't really know what's going on, but yeah. everyone everyone thinks he should be paid, and he should be. It's just Elway is the only one who thinks he doesn't. You know, the more I thought about this, I, I mentioned it on yesterday's show as well, the idea that the Broncos waited till the dog days of summer to take care of Brandon Marshall, Vaughn Miller. But if you think back, now some of these I'm about to mention were tags, franchise tags of different sorts that they waited. So that colors the situation a little bit differently. But, I mean, if you can think of Demarius Thomas, summer extension, you can think of Brandon McManus. I can even remember Matt Prater. It seemed like it was in the summer. And the only other exceptions to that is the rare in-season extensions that Elway has done with Chris Harris and Derek Wolf. But even Darian Stewart's extension following his two-year deal, 2015 he was signed on a two-year deal from Baltimore, comes in and then his extension, I'm pretty sure, came in the summer. So I think part of it, too, is just simply that what Elway likes to do is he likes to have his off-season in the books. He likes to have all the chips on the table, make his full evaluation, because that kind of shapes what kind of offer that he ends up making to the prospective, you know, player who needs who's looking for a new deal. And I think that might be part of it. And I'm I'm hoping really Zach at bottom, that's what it boils down to. It could be, but I mean, listen, he's going to be the same player he's going to be regardless if he if he signs him now or in June. He's going to cost the same amount of money for the most part now or in June. I just the only thing that he can do by waiting, Chad Elway, is just demoralizing Harris and the team. And Von Miller said it best: Strap Harris is going to be Strap Harris, whether he plays on here or Mars. He's just that good. So. Um, maybe he wants to wait until the, how the draft plays out. Certainly, if they take a cornerback in the first or second round, that wouldn't bode well for Harris's future. Uh, I don't think that will happen. But, you know, they've added three. They sent a message that he's on a priority and he's going to be on the back burner. And we'll just have to see. I, I think a deal will get done. I just don't like the way Elway has gone about handling it. Yeah. Next question here comes from JC3762, going on 16 months as a VIP subscriber. He says, we keep talking about speed receivers and that burner we need to take the top off a of defense. We also talk about hopefully being able to snag one with a mid to late round pick. Andy Isabella fits both of these characteristics. So why aren't we talking about him as an option? Now, I'll, I'll take this one first, Zach, and then I'll serve it over to you. The biggest reason why you're not hearing Andy Isabella tied to the Broncos as a no-brainer is because the Broncos already have a slot player. They already have a slot receiver in Deshaun Hamilton. Now, I understand that Isabella is a dynamic, let's just say he's a more dynamic player than Hamilton, but he's only five foot nine. okay? So in the NFL at that level, yeah, you could use him as a burner and push him on vertical routes, but he's going to be very much restricted to the slot at the next level, okay? And the Broncos, and just in terms of needs, they have that, I mean, Deshaun Hamilton might not be as fast or dynamic in the open field as Andy Isabella, but he is very dynamic in his own right in terms of his hands, his ability to run the route tree, and just his overall leadership traits and football IQ. So I think that's the biggest reason, Zach. Otherwise, what the Broncos are looking for in a receiver is something they don't already have. 
Yeah, you nailed it, Chad. Spot on. There's a huge difference between a slot receiver like Welker and a slot burner like a, a Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Jackson. They have that slot guy like you mentioned. They don't really have that burner now with Emmanuel Sanders. Probably not going to be the same player as he was. They need just a guy who w- runs a nine route. Straight down the field, let uh, Joe Flacco air the ball out. Someone like McLaurin, someone like Emmanuel Hall. One of those strictly tight burner players. And some of those guys, they can expand their route trees. They can become better players. But they have the possession guys. They have the over-the-middle types. They just need a guy who has wheels and can get down the field and take the tops off defenses. Absolutely. We still have a few more questions to get to in the VIP mailbag, but first we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, so the next question here comes from Bronco Guy 65 going on six months as a VIP subscriber. And I want to thank Bronco Guy 65 because he actually brought up an issue, to, brought it to my attention that uh, had escaped me. And that is that, as, as mentioned, we post these threads for the VIP mailbag for Fridays, right? Each and every week on the MHH Insiders Forum. But we actually record the episode either Wednesday or Thursday night. Lately, it's been more Thursday night we record it, starting about 6-ish mountain time. And so what happens is sometimes people see that thread, they see Friday and, they all, and all that, and they go in and they leave their question either during our while we're recording or after we've already recorded and the podcast is in the books. And so sometimes we miss those questions. We don't know. We don't rec- realize because we go, oh, we hit those questions and we move on to our next task. But he brought to my attention that we're missing some. So I want to go back to some questions that he had from last week's uh, episode that we missed. And his are, let me let me grab these here. His first question here, Zach, is, we are in a slow period of the offseason, so let's have some fun. Are there any moves the Broncos could theoretically make that would instantly put them in the Super Bowl conversation? Pie-in-the-sky ideas are encouraged. So what kind of pie-in-the-sky scenario do you think, Zach, the Broncos at this stage could make a trade, not a whole lot they could do from a signing perspective to alter the Super Bowl odds, but what what could you see? Russell Wilson. Give him two first-round picks, three first-round picks, get Russell Wilson to Denver, then you're a title contender. You're not there with Joe Flacco. That's what the Broncos are missing right now. They need their one franchise elite quarterback away from contending for a title. So give me Russell Wilson. There's been some weird buzz, actually. I think it was Jack Del Rio that created this that uh, Wilson, he wants a new contract, obviously, in Seattle, and that Del Rio just said something like, hey, it wouldn't surprise me if when by the time the regular season rolls around, Wilson's not playing in Seattle. He's playing somewhere else, which to me is the epitome of, of unbelievable. Like, there's no way I could see that happening because if you're the Seattle Seahawks, you're backing up the Brinks truck, you're caving mm-hmm. into his demands, you're giving him whatever you want because without Russell Wilson, Zach, that team is dead in the water. 
I mean, like any other team, like like the Packers without Rodgers or the, the Patriots without Brady. I mean, they make the team go. That's what the beauty of having a franchise quarterback is. I would pay Russell whatever he wants. I would give whatever uh, Seattle wants to acquire him. But the fact that they're letting him potentially uh, rot away here just shows the arrogance of NFL front offices, Chad. That it's not just Elway, that it's a league-wide issue that these these execs really undervalue their own players. It's pretty sad to see. It's really also a business thing, leverage. You know, in it's one of those things, one in the hands worth two in the bush. You never pay for something today that you can pay for later on down the road, just in a business sense. And so what you see is usually teams don't, they're governed by the deadlines. You know, they don't move. The needle doesn't get moved unless there's a deadline coming or a player's holding out. And that's usually where the rubber meets the road. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Wilson. But uh, I think that's a great theory to throw out there in a pie in the sky to answer Bronco Guy 65. Russell Wilson, how about the Broncos put together a package and try and get him? Now, here's one more from Bronco Guy 65 that we missed last week. If Drew Locke or Haskins are available at 10 and the Broncos pass on them, how far would they have to fall before it would make sense to trade back into the first round to snag them? Essentially, is there any way the Broncos could snag a blue chipper and a top QB in the draft, Zach? It would depend on what QB they value. If they like Daniel Jones enough, I think he'll be on the board in the late first round. They might uh, want to move back up for him, but Locke's not going to, he might not even make it a 10. So them trading back up for him is not an option. I don't think Haskins will fall that far. So if they want one of these top two guys, the Haskins or the Locks, they got to take him when they can in the first round. They won't be able to trade back up. Yeah. I mean, I think Locke is going to go early. And Haskins, just let's just entertain the notion that he might fall. If he gets to the middle 20s, he's still on the board. And I'm John Elway yeah. sitting at pick 40. I start working the phones and see yeah. what I can do. So hopefully that answers your question. Next one here comes from Black Knight 232 going on three months as a VIP subscriber. He says, thanks for all the hard work you guys do and the Building the Broncos team as well. My question is this. Who do you think takes the biggest blame for 2018 season going south? The <laughs> this coaching answer. staff, who I think was the biggest issue, or the players who my cousin, a Rams fan, thinks were the issue. So he thinks it was the coaching staff. His cousin thinks it was the players. The reason for this question is because me and him, he and his cousin, always keep getting into a shouting match, and it's driving our boss crazy. <laughs> keep up the good work. So if you had to put the onus of blame on the coaching staff, Zach, obviously, or the players, what's your call? I, I mean, listen, I'm not going to say that the, the players were blameless here, Chad, by any stretch of the imagination. They they took part in it, too. Uh, they underachieved. They were not as good as they could be. That being said, though, based on what we've heard so far from these players, these anecdotes, how could you not point the finger at Vance Joseph? How could you look at him and think that he's anything other than an inept head coach? So, yeah, I mean, we, we said it last year. We said it in 2017, and we'll say it now. It was all Vance Joseph last year, at least at least 90%. Great, great question and great conversation because, you know, on one hand, just like I said on one or two podcasts earlier, it's, the, it's on the players to go out and win ball games. It's on the coaches to put those players in the best situations possible in order to execute their jobs to the utmost. And the problem for the Broncos last year, and also before I get into that, situationally when there are forks in the road it's also on the coaches to make sure that they are making the right decisions whether it's calls whether it's whether to challenge something when to manage how to manage the clock when to throw you know use a timeout those type of things and 
Vance Joseph was the epitome of incompetent in all those arenas last year. And unfortunately, you know, the you-know-what rolls downhill, and neither of his coordinators, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the Peter Principle, but the Peter Principle basically means that you are promoted to the level of your own incompetence, okay? So both of Joe Woods and Bill Musgrave, because they were being managed, their boss was very low in terms of his competency as a head coach. Their game, let's just say as coaches, was, let's just say, muted, okay? So I think there's a, I think both Joe Woods and Bill Musgrave are better coaches than what you saw last year or the last couple of years in the case of Joe Woods. I think that a better head coach who's more on point, who demands more, who sees more, would have got more out of the, both those coordinators. But Vance Joseph was just not the guy. John Elway completely missed the boat. That's the biggest thing. As a GM that I have the biggest bone to pick with him from the time he joined till now. All the quarterbacks going, I don't fault him for trying to find the right guy and just churning through him until he finds one. That's, I mean, that's the game. you got to find the quarterback. But choosing Vance Joseph mm-hmm. when he could have taken Kyle Shanahan, to me, is something that's probably going to haunt his legacy forever, even if the Broncos go on to win another Super Bowl or two before Elway hangs it up, which you know is very unlikely at this stage. Let's just face the facts. But even if they did, that's what's going to haunt his resume. It's going to be a mar on his resume forever. So to answer your question, both of us, Black Knight 232, it, we got to lean more on the coaching. But the players certainly shared complicity in how that season unfolded. So they, they have their fair share of the blame as well. All right. And, next, and go so ahead. let me just say, so, so did Elway, though. You made a great point, Chad. Elway is also to blame here. And any fan who can't point the finger at him for some of his coaching hires or personnel decisions the last couple of years, they are delusional. It was mostly Vance Joseph, almost all Vance Joseph last year, but Elway did play a part. All right. Next question here comes from Bo Vice. Going on two months as a VIP. He's a great follow and a great conversationalist on Twitter as well. What up, Bo Vice? Question, what kind of value do you think Chris Harris would fetch in a trade if that ended up being the scenario, Zach? Not a first-rounder for sure. I mean, if Josh Rosen can't even get a first-rounder, I, I would say a second would be optimistic. I'd say maybe a third-rounder, conditional yeah. third-rounder, would be his wheelhouse. And yeah. I don't think that's worth it for him. I'd rather have that pick. Or I'd rather, you know, just have the player and, and they can keep their pick. That's what I think he'll, he would garner in a trade. The Broncos almost pulled the trigger on trading Emmanuel Sanders last year to the Niners for a third-round pick. And I think you're right. Even for the best in the business, I mean, look at what Antonio Brown went for on mm. the trading block. Okay, so I think a third-round pick would be fair for Chris Harris, but I agree with Zach that that would not be value commensurate with the talent they'd be hemorrhaging in trading him. So next one here comes from Jedi Joshua 58 going on four months as a VIP. Josh says, if quarterback isn't the round one pick, which I think it should be, who's the mid rounder you guys think Elway pulls the trigger on? And do you think Scangarella will pound the table for a specific guy? You've been continuously cranking out the solid content. Y'all do Broncos country justice. Well, thank you. Appreciate you very much. Um, I think right now, if we're looking at, Let's let's define mid rounds, okay? Mid rounds, let's just say, is between rounds three and five, okay? Mm-hmm. So, I don't see. I would the first guy that comes to mind post round one to me is Jarrett Stidham, but I don't think he gets past round two. That's just my take. So, if we're talking mid rounds, three to five, I think the number one guy would probably be Brett Rippon. Yeah, 
I, Will Greer is up there too. Yes. I mean, Clayton yes. Thorson, if he rides up the boards in, in the fourth or fifth round. But I have a sneaking suspicion that if Daniel Jones is there at 41, Chad, I don't know that the Broncos – I just have a funny feeling they wouldn't resist that. That would be tremendous value for a guy who's may go in the first round, a guy they can develop. And that's one guy I think Scangarello can work with. Not the strongest arm in the world, but he reminds me of Nick Mullins. He's a toolsy quarterback. He has some build to him. So um, yeah, I agree with you, though. The second – the tier two guy that I like is Stidham. But I think Daniel Jones, considering they worked him out and, and Elway went to that workout and he supposedly was impressed by that, I think at 41 would be tempting for him. A couple other guys in terms of mid to late rounder, uh, Jordan Ta'amu, I think is how you pronounce it, the Ole Miss kid. And then, of course, uh, Jackson from Buffalo. He is a stud, and he he hits all those boxes that you know lights up Elway in terms of the, the height, the arm, the athleticism. So keep an eye on him as well. All right, last one here, and then we're getting out of here for the day. comes from Bear Lalvijen. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Jake, we'll just say Jake. Going on 21 months as a VIP subscriber. says, Chad, I've heard Fangio's scheme referred to as both a 3-4 and a 4-3 under. Could you help me to understand which it is, what the differences are, and what it means for the ideal traits as it relates to the Broncos' D-line and linebackers? All right, so here's, here's what I know. Fangio's scheme is kind of a hybrid. Even though technically it's a 4-3 under, it's also at times a 3-4. So basically the traditional 4-3 under, it emphasizes um, rushing the passer as a 4-3 scheme. So your Sam linebacker lines up on the outside shoulder of the tight end. Your strong side defensive end, which would be Derek Wolf, lines up in the 5-tech. That's the outside shoulder of the, the right tackle. The strong side defensive tackle, which I would assume would be Shelby Harris shades just inside or just outside the center lined up at the one tech while the weak side who would be the three tech that's what I'm not sure in this case maybe Adam Gotsis mm-hmm. maybe Zach Kerr as it lines up as the three tech and then the weak side defensive end which actually probably ends up being Gotsis lines up on the outside shoulder of the left tackle or but this is where it gets weird is is because in Fangio's scheme those defensive ends are sometimes stood up and that's actually an outside linebacker like Bradley Chubb or Von Miller. So it's a very uh, fluid scheme that I'm still, frankly, studying quite a bit. But it really leaves the, for linebackers, it leaves the, the on the strong side. So that's the defensive left and the offensive right is typically the strong side. And that leaves the, the, the run-stopping responsibilities for the A and the B gap on the Mike and Will linebacker, which is going to be Todd Davis and Josie Jewell or whoever they end up drafting. So... And, you know, that's the front. And then you can run a variety of coverages behind that from cover three to cover four to cover two, two man under, cover zero if you want to go all out blitz or whatever. So there are a lot of different ways you can run coverages behind that scheme. But again, Fangio's is a little bit different than, say, the Seahawks 4-3 under. It really is a 34-43 hybrid. And it's just it's something I'm still studying a little bit to kind of figure it out, but maybe we'll do some kind of a long form breakdown, a film room article here in the dead time. Once we get through the draft, maybe we'll break down some films that. Uh, yeah, you nailed the fine points of that. I can say uh, based, you know, on an elementary term level, uh, in a four, three, your pass rushers or your defensive ends. And in a three, four, your pass rushers, your outside linebackers, you know, m- for the most part. Right. So that's the biggest difference. And in the NFL nowadays, there's no really four, three, three, four strict scheme. It's not, 
uh, the 2000s anymore. Every team runs a hybrid of some sort. Some teams run the Bear defense, the old, you know, the Buddy Ryan defense. Every team has its own package, its own pressure packages. The Broncos will play which suits them best, and that's still remnants of that Wade Phillips 3-4 with that aggressive blitzing off the outside. They're going to blitz from the slot more with Bryce Callahan and Chris Harris Jr. He's still on the team, of course. Uh, so you're going to see a lot of what you saw. And even Derek Wolf said it last year. It's just different terminology. It, the scheme structure, the foundation is still in place. So you're going to see a lot of what you saw at Wade Phillips, a lot of what you saw under Vance Joseph, unfortunately, hopefully just the good parts. And also the little wrinkles that Fangio and Donald Teller are installing right now. So it should be better for them. Um, and like with you, Chad, I, I want to see how it develops and how many plays in the playbook and, and different schemes they run. Yeah, I mean, I'll go back and watch some film on it and try and dive maybe a little bit deeper for the VIPs in a written form. But one of the key differences, too, for Fangio's 4-3 is that he really – its versatility is crucial. So yep. that's where it's great to have guys like Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller because both of them are just as comfortable standing up as they are putting their hand in the dirt. And what's also cool about that – and the same with the interior players. I mean, you can rotate Adam Gotzis, Shelby Harris, and Derek Wolf at different positions in that interior – and the opposing offense doesn't know what, what's going to happen. And it allows Fangio to keep the, the opposing offense on its toes. Sometimes he'll send the linebackers through on blitzes, stunts. So it's really interesting. There's a lot of fine points and nuance to it that I think probably deserves more of a long-form uh, written article to kind of break it down and highlight. So we'll get to that here in the coming weeks. But in the meantime, you guys, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast, finishing off another great week in Broncos country, podcasting and dropping knowledge for you all. Make sure you are following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Don't forget to leave your creative review and rate the show on iTunes. And for those of you who are not VIP subscribers, here's your call to action to Go to the site, milehuddle.com, and check it out. At least consider it. Look at the benefits. Look at the details. See if it might fit your situation and uh, pull the trigger. But in the meantime, you guys, have a great weekend. Building the Broncos will be back on Saturday with an episode. And we will be back on the other side on Monday with a freshie. So for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.